0: everybody i'm chad bokelman i'm mark marble and this is the lantern cast episode 454 that's right what are we
1: talking about we are talking about venom let there be carnage i saw a movie guys yes chad actually went to the movies that's right yeah
0: i uh i got round one of vaccinations a couple days ago and i'm getting my other one next week i think uh so should be all good um but uh no i uh there, went to an Alamo Draft House down here. Uh, Alamo lets you pick your own seats, obviously. And they still have a thing in place where uh, if different people buy the seats, it automatically puts some space between you and another person.
1: Oh, they're still doing that there? Okay. Yeah. So uh,
0: I went with some people from the comic book store. Uh, it was me and uh, six other people from the comic book store uh, that I go to. Um, Bat City Comic Professionals. So we went uh, with 1030 showing opening night um so not only did i go to a movie i went to a movie on opening night and uh uh checked it out there's some stuff i want to talk about a bit in terms of alamo draft house but let's get to the let's get to the movie itself um do we want to start with reception because i feel like you know the the release and everything you know being forward and back and pushed down and pushed back and all this other stuff uh, kind of played havoc on it and i know that there were some articles about the box office on this thing and in terms of record breaking for, uh, I guess, pandemic stuff. Uh, so do, do we want to get into all that or should we wait? Yeah, let's. My,
1: that's on my list of things I wanted to talk about towards the end. So because let's, yeah, if you don't mind, let's do that as prologue because it is something we've discussed on this show quite often over the last couple of months. We've had multiple episodes talking about Venom or in particular, Sony's running scared approach with this movie that they moved this movie constantly. And I think it's, it's probably safe to say the rumors of that, of them, of them having a contingency of moving out of October into 2022 was probably true. If Shang-Chi had underachieved at all, even by a little bit, if Shang-Chi had underachieved, considering they moved directly against Halloween kills, which never made any sense that if you're going to open up in October, if you're going to go against any other big movies in October, doom's the one you'd go against. If no, even if you only needed one reason, and that's the fact, the day and date HBO Max release that your theatrical only release would whatever that happened to be would even if they're competing for the same audience, it would draw more people in. So the fact that they moved from September to October and and when, and didn't really care about the date, I think that I think it's true that they were really thinking they were going to end up moving to 2022. It's just that when Shang Chi kicked ass, they said, oh, but. Directly before I wax any more poetic about this, yes, Venom made about ninety, little over ninety million dollars on its, Let There Be Carnage on its opening weekend, which is the second biggest October opening ever, behind Joker, and it made so it made more money also than the original Venom did as well. So it's off to a very, 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 very good start. Now here's the problem, and we talked about this too. They had such a really nice release date in September. September 17th, I believe, is the release date that it had before they ran scared out of when early tracking numbers, which turned out to be completely wrong about Shang-Chi, were low. They just panicked and they moved. By doing that, by the way, they no matter they, they ceded the entire month of September to Shang-Chi because it was destined to there was no competition in September. It was horrible. So Shang-Chi was going to dominate September, even if it had underachieved because there was no competition. But if Venom had just stuck to September 17th. They could have had this kind of opening two weeks after Shang-Chi then had the seventh weekend of the 17th, the 24th, the first three weeks to dominate before Bond came out. Now, as good as as good as this opening weekend is for for, for Venom, they, they have Bond coming out next week. So not only not excuse me, not only is Venom practically guaranteed to be knocked out of the number one spot, they could have a bigger drop than they normally would have just because Bond is. I think Bond was being projected to do somewhere in the 60, 65 range when, when I when I heard last week the the update that I got last week. So it's just unfortunate. It's great an opening weekend, and, and it proves that people are not afraid to go to the movies. If there's content out there, especially exclusive theatrical content that people want, they will go. But it's just unfortunate that Sony certainly didn't follow the the sage advice of "Fortune favors the bold." When it came to Venom, which doesn't mean they thought Venom wasn't going to do well. As a correction. It doesn't mean they thought Venom was crap. They may have thought the opposite. The Venom was really good, but they knew that in their minds, it had to be an optimal release window or else based on the current environment, nothing could succeed. And now at least we know that's not really the case. But to me, that's one of those things that Sony will regret because probably their total box office domestically, at least what this is going to do by the time it ends is going to be much less than it could have been because you go from Bond to Halloween Kills to whatever interest there is in Dune week after week after week. So Venom's going to be cut off at the knees really quick, and it's, it's, and it's. I think it's unfortunate. I think personally, yeah, I don't have the attachment to the franchise or the character that you do, but I think it's unfortunate because I thought all along that, and we talked about it, that they should have just kept September's release date was fine. If Shang Chi had underachieved, that just meant people weren't that interested in seeing that movie on the big screen. Or that property on the big screen, especially when they knew it would be on on Disney Plus in like three months. It didn't mean Venom was going to do poorly if Shang-Chi underachieved, but they ran scared. And now great opening weekend, but I think they're going to pay the price overall domestically compared to what it could have been
0: yeah the performance so you talked a bit about the the financial what about the critical side of that though
1: oh yes the uh the, the critical the critical side is even better because obviously the critics hated the original venom and it's not like and don't and it's not like they're they're claiming this movie is uh you know the godfather or anything but overall critics have liked this movie significantly more at least what 20 i think at least 20 plus percent more than they did on rotten tomatoes for the original and I think the fa- the overall audience response is about in the same ballpark. I think I think that it's about the same. Generally speaking, I didn't I didn't spend as much time like doing a Rotten Tomatoes comparison. But I just I think I saw the Cinema Score for Venom for Ve- Let There Be Carnage, and I think it was in the same ballpark as the original Venom. So this movie has had a better bigger opening weekend. It has a better critical response, and the fans seem to be just as happy with it overall, if not more than the first. So overall, this movie is I mean, even if it does not make the amount of money that it that it could have, even forget about it, in a pandemic environment long term and 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 worldwide because worldwide is part of the issue with some of these other markets and currently. the reality is this movie has to be viewed as a success and as a property venom has to be viewed as a success because now you've had two movies that have opened up with very large opening weekends. And especially now that you've had this, the biggest opening weekend of the pandemic era is now Venom, whether it lasts. I mean, obviously even if it lasts through October and, it and past the Eternals, I mean, Spider, Spider-Man will destroy it. I mean, the record in all likelihood, whatever that record happens to be. If, if people are going to see $90 million worth of Venom, my prediction a few months ago about how, when we did the trailer talk that, um, no Way Home is going to make at least $100 million. It's probably safer to guess now. It would make more like $115, 120 at least on opening, opening weekend, assuming, again, it's a Friday release, which the previous two Spider-Man movies haven't been. But they have to, yeah, I think you should be happy as a fan. I think Sony should be happy overall, other than the fact that, yeah, they kind of emasculated their own movie by running – running scared and buying into the hype that people are too afraid to go to the theater and, or movies can't succeed in the, in the, in the pandemic era. And then Shang-Chi came out and they had already moved away and they couldn't do anything else, but get into early October, but they lost their September window.
0: Yeah. I mean uh, the, the theater I went to, despite, you know, the, the, the seat spacing and it being the last showing of the evening, it was still, I mean, relatively speaking, a pretty full theater. So You know, people seem to enjoy it. I, I, me personally, you know, just diving into this a little bit. I, I don't think I've had some time to sit with it, and I think, I think I want, I think I need to see it again. I mean, obviously, I will see it again, but I think I need to see it again to really cement things. But I'm pretty sure I like it less than the first one, honestly. Now, that doesn't mean I hate the movie. That doesn't mean that i rated a a two out of a ten i would give it like maybe a six or seven out of ten as opposed to the um, the seven or eight i'd give the first one because for as much as i love the first film i'm not an idiot i know that that in some ways that first film succeeded in spite of itself (laughs) and i can see some of the problems with it but It seems like let there be carnage doubled down. And in some ways that worked for them. And in other ways, it really didn't, especially with the Cletus Cassidy stuff. And, and, and that it's, it's one thing when, when Eddie and Venom are sort of doing their own shtick and that's something that is unique to them and their relationship and sort of stands out from the other characters in the movie Whereas they take that stick and sort of just give it to everybody else in some sort of piecemeal form. Yeah. And yeah. that didn't really land for me. And I think, I think was part of part of my concern about when we were watching the trailer, about it being too comedic kind of played, played true here because let's be real people. If you know anything about the comic books and carnage, sure. You can have fun with a concept. It's the, 90s is when this thing is based on so there are all times when this is going to be ridiculous and crazy and a little more on the nose than it really should be but realistically speaking carnage is a serial killer alien symbiote that shit gets dark and evil and vile real quick so comedy while having a role shouldn't be your primary focus when it comes to Cletus Cassidy.
1: <laughs> and to be fair, I don't think it was nearly, I mean, obviously, I don't think it was nearly as much as it was with Venom and Eddie, though yeah. I tell your point, you are correct that, especially when, what, especially when Woody Harrelson was on the screen, that they were taking advantage of that aspect and that appeal for and from Woody Harrelson. So I, I see where you're coming from.
0: Yeah. I just feel like they, that relationship and that, uh, you know, sort of quickish back and forth that venom and and eddie had they kind of shoved it up its own ass in this thing there was moments where there was a bit too much there was a moment there were moments where pacing felt really thrown off because of it sometimes i, I thought it
1: started slow considering the movie was so short i thought yeah. the pay, i thought it was a, it was a slow i mean not super slow But considering the movie's an hour and a half, I thought it was the pace to start the movie was a little odd. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it was definitely a weird, a weird start to it. I just the thing, you know, like in obviously guys, spoilers, uh, if you know, if you didn't think that talking about a movie that just came out was going to have spoilers, then surprise. But, you know, like one of the things that hit me weird was Anne, Uh, you know, she made a comment towards the beginning of the film that that whole thing with with venom that she went through when the symbiote was a part of her eating the head and everything like she was still sort of coping with it and yet she, she just i mean and and really didn't even have much to do in the film Like if she was just sort of there her let's face it her entire point of the film is to you know, provide something, I guess, between Eddie and Venom because Venom wants them to get back together and Eddie obviously has his own things about this. And so that's gonna provide some added conflict when she gets engaged. But they're already arguing about the whole let me eat people stuff. So why do we need to add the added conflict? So outside of that, outside of adding conflict between Eddie and Venom, the only other thing she really does is get Venom from point A to point B. I feel like they really sort of wasted the the character of Anne in here. and obviously the 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 fiance means nothing in this film. Uh, he he meant very little in the first film, but he he was really there as just a let, let's have everybody shit on him.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Venom liked Dan by the end. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> thought it was useless, but he still thought somebody liked him at least.
0: <laughs> but but even so, I mean, I know that, I know the role Anne plays in the final showdown, but like at the same time, like even then, I feel like that character was really wasted. They didn't do anything with her, at least anything of real consequence. And uh, like I said, the whole Venom and Eddie stuff, sometimes it got, Honestly, a little too much. And I I thought I thought they did very little with the idea of uh of Shriek, what her powers are versus what the weakness of a symbiote is. Obviously they did something with it because you can't not acknowledge it, but it was basically just a a, a vehicle for Carnage the Symbiote to get pissed at pissed at the you know Cletus's lover and slap her around a little bit. But there's you you could have done a little bit. A little bit more than that. Uh, it, it uh, I don't know what. I don't know. I, I can't give you a specific example, but it just, it felt like they did the bare minimum with that. It was just like, oh, here is why Cletus and uh, Cletus and Carnage are not necessarily a good fit right now because they're at odds because of this very obvious thing. I don't know. A lot, a lot of the film just felt on the nose uh, and like it, it, I think. I think part of my problem with it is Sony very clearly actively tried to recapture the exact same stuff they did with Venom and went a little too far with it. And, and, and I think this was a point I made a while back is I was worried that they would learn the wrong lessons about what made the first film successful. And I don't think they completely screwed the pooch
1: because obviously I still enjoyed this film. But I think a little of that shows through here in this movie. I think you can make the case Anne and Dan. I think part I think part of that exists to get closure between Eddie, not just not just Eddie and Anne, but the if you will, the Anne Dan couple and the Eddie Venom couple <laughs> to kind of make make peace between the two of them, get closure and have them be able to go their separate ways, at least for now, which is which obviously as we, we talked to the about the ending of the movie, it's clearly that that would fit in perfectly at least short term being in that being in that both both sets of these characters being where they were when they last see each other it, it, it allows for an easier transition to where they are certainly going short term and i do think like you touched upon i think it exists to show the difference between the car the cassidy carnage shriek group that trio and the dan and eddie venom quadral quadrilogy there that the the reality is that I because I one of the things I do think worked even though it may have been a little too over the in your face not over the top but in your face the fact that Eddie and Venom are symbiotic to a large to a certain extent becoming more so and they do need each they both need each other to a certain extent while well, they played up the fact that obviously Ka- that Carnage and Cassidy really are not a good match and they they and they coexisted because while they had common goals but they really weren't a good match and they really didn't feed they didn't really feed or need off need off each other so I think that I think Anne fits into both I think she fits into that too but but, you know it's also Michelle Williams you actually you don't honestly necessarily know how much Michelle Williams really wants to be in movies like this I mean it's cool that she's back and it's cool that she would be willing to come back you assume again in in another Venom movie down the road but I think it's and so it, it it could also be a, who knows, but when they filmed this movie, it could also it could also have been a, a a byproduct of scheduling. Maybe it wasn't purely this is how the movie was written and always intended. Maybe they knew they didn't have Michelle Williams for long in this movie based on other projects she was working. So she was going to have a, a more limited role or it could have simply been they knew where they wanted to go with Venom by the time they get to the end of this movie. And the whole and Dan thing for now, they wanted to, like, wrap that up and not have it be. Hanging over your head all the time.
0: Yeah, um I'm just trying to think of specific stuff. How how do we feel about Carnage on screen? The symbiote.
1: It was pretty cool. I mean, I I have I have I have no ties to lesser or fewer ties to Carnage than I do to Venom. I mean, I mean, I've read plenty of stories with Venom, like we've talked about. I've I do have the first appearances of Venom. I don't. I may have one or two issues with carnage i actually think i might have a part of maximum carnage somewhere i think actually but the reality is i don't have a lot of ties to the character from a visual cue perspective i think it it was it was pretty nicely done i do like the what the some of the doing the stylistic differences between how venom op Ven, venom operates and how carnage operates and transforms and uses his powers i did i i like the fact that they did the contrast there and they made it they made it clear that there is a difference between the two of them. They don't give you, they don't give you much of an in movie explanation why that's the case. Real, you know, other than the, you know, the ha ha ha. Oh, if that's a red one thing, the real, but they don't give us a real explanation for why, but I do like that there's a difference between the two and the way they operate, not just the relationship between their, their hosts, but just they and, and their hosts, but just the way the symbiotes themselves behave. Yeah. I thought he looks
0: cool. I, and again, yeah, you're right. The, um, that's that's honestly, that's a sore point with me, because that that whole that is a red one line was in the in the uh, the trailer. And because it was in the trailer, I was like, oh, they're, we're going to elaborate on that a little bit more. And and no, we didn't like Venom gave us no context as to why the appearance of a red one should be concerning um we got no real history of the symbiotes just in general honestly uh no information about the race or or anything like that um, though, we,
1: though we almost did at the end <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um so that that was sort of odd i will say i don't know where the hell the carnage tornado came from <laughs> uh i've read quite a bit of symbiote related comments but obviously i haven't read everything because you know the 90s were the 90s and this shit appeared everywhere in various corners of the marvel universe but like i don't remember there being like a carnage tornado uh, thing i don't know where that came from or why that was a why that was done so that i mean visually that i mean there's obviously suspension of disbelief and all of that but that really sort of jarred me out of it i was like wait what's what is happening on screen right now what is carnage doing in a scene that should otherwise be pretty intense and dramatic and stuff uh, but this is also where you get the whole thing of man this should this should have been rated r it just it could have it could have done so more so much more if it was rated r because bloodless carnage carnage <laughs> you know uh capital
1: c and then little c
0: doesn't have quite the same
1: impact <laughs> no uh, but i i understand why certainly going into the movie why people were concerned about that i i can't say that i missed it all that much i think i don't know i don't know if it was if it was as critical you would think i mean logically it would have made sense to have you doing carnage to go that it should be R. But I don't think based on what we got, the way they handled it, I actually came out thinking that, uh I didn't miss it not being R. And plus they, they use their, their one use of the F bomb appropriately. I don't know. I, I can see why it would have been better for a lot of people if they had not just kind of dead pulled it and gone all, gone, gone all in. But from my perspective, I didn't really, I didn't mind that it was PG 13. It it probably was more weird to me and questionable that the movie was an hour and a half but yeah i mean for the record guys i don't mean
0: take the exact same movie and just add blood and more gore i just mean yeah that's an aspect of it but by throwing the the door open and giving it the r rating so much more could have been done with the concept and changed at its just at its core that might wipe away some of the problems I have with it. If you allow the possibility for an R rating, more could have been done to alleviate things like an excess of comedy or, uh, or or things like that. But yeah, uh, in terms of, uh, I'm just trying to think of some of my thoughts, like when we were watching the trailers and things like, uh, I guess it was answered. So Carnage is straight up his own symbiote. So that's cool. Uh, He's not some sort of, mutate mutated com you know disease merged somehow into the essence that is eddie uh, um or sorry uh, that is cletus but rather just a a symbiote that transforms in a slightly different way which makes me makes me wonder if if um the way in which he transforms especially like when he opens up and lets bullets pass through him and stuff like that is carnage you know, you know how Venom can heal Eddie, right? Yep, is yep. is is Carnage taking Cletus apart and putting him back together every time they transform and or do something uh with the symbiote because I mean on the one hand like if you think about it that makes sense with the sort of evil sadistic kind of shit that Cletus and, and Carnage are supposed to be that Cletus wouldn't give a shit necessarily about uh or uh, yeah Carnage wouldn't give a shit necessarily about Cletus's comfort and or pain level you know just transform him morph out of him destroy him you know internally inside and out and just put him back together when you transform back into his human
1: self it's i mean it's it's very possible that's that's kind of the, the approach again without giving giving us an explanation but just it's very plausible that that could be the justification from a create, from a creative perspective and how they decided to approach the transformations in this movie.
0: Yeah. Um, The chicken. So I think my big thing is like at the end of the first venom movie, Eddie was making a deal with venom that he could eat people, eat, eat bad guys. So what happened? Why did the deal change? And, you know, you get the whole lethal protector to the point where it becomes a joke. Uh, That's, sort of what I was talking about an example of what I was talking about in sort of the shoving it up its own ass thing because we know there's a venom lethal protector series that's a that's a thing that's a title he's given himself several times uh, and so on and so forth so any any comic book fan would recognize that phrase but it was said so many times that it just again it shoved itself up its own ass and became a joke at the end but i just to have a venom movie without venom really doing his thing especially given where the last one ended
1: what happened i just assume eddie was trying to rein in transformations and letting and maybe he was just too afraid of uh, venom getting uh, that symbiotic relationship being switching to the point where venom was much more relevant and much more in control of him and the stronger venom would become the weaker he could become, and maybe he just And maybe conceptually, just the idea of knowing that he was an act, even if he was passive, well, not an active participant, but more like a passive passerby, standby, you know, a bystander, I should say, uh, as Venom was doing all these things, that that just wasn't something he felt comfortable with. Because Venom does point out, it's like, you know, about, again, even in the beginning of this movie, that they should be going after these bad guys and doing stuff and, and they're not. So I think maybe Eddie's trying to keep a low profile and or afraid of, that kind of like where we end up at the end of the movie with people finding out and, and 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 actively searching and hunting them down that aspect trying to prevent that maybe from happening so i think there's i think there's maybe some of those elements at work to why he was trying to keep venom down if you will
0: yeah i, I mean i get that especially with the fbi after them and that whole thing and, and not trying to want to draw attention to themselves but at the same time it's it's sort of like and you have more experience in the Marvel side of the universe than I do, but like with the Punisher, you know, people can accept some, can accept the idea of, of killing the bad guy. If you present it in such a way that you not necessarily change your own morality in terms of it's okay to kill people if they're bad enough, but necessarily to the point where you understand the person you're reading, who thinks like that. If you can, if you can see what has happened to them and see their thought process in a way that you understand why it makes sense to them for this to happen, even if you necessarily as the reader don't agree with it, then that's at the that's the point at which you can enjoy something such as Punisher. I feel like the same can be said sort of a venom is like I, I I feel like there was enough in that first movie where you're like, okay, I can get Eddie learning this lesson here. Yeah, in some aspects, maybe in some aspects, maybe not. It's just that, you know, the the whole there are some people that need to die thing. Uh, and then if it keeps, you know, this creature who I was, uh, have a symbiotic relationship with healthy and, and it keeps other people safe, then why not kill two birds, one stone sort of a thing. But it's just like they're not even he's not even doing anything with the symbiote at this point. He's not doing anything with Venom. Venom is just a pet, essentially. I mean, which which makes sense in the kind of the conflict and them splitting and and, and up from each other for a little bit there. But, like, it, it it was almost like we got a Venom movie without any Venom action until, obviously, the final scene. And which point, the other times we saw the Venom symbiote in action were walking around a rave.
1: <laughs> like,
0: you know what I mean? Like, it, it, which isn't to take away from that scene or say that it wasn't cool or it was a nice way to get some of Venom's own um, thoughts and, and internal monologue and stuff out to the the watcher, uh, the viewer of the film, without necessarily having Eddie there to counter, just let Venom speak for himself. So I can see that. But at the same time, it's like a Venom. It, it almost felt, again, save for the final scene, like a Venom movie without any titular Venom action. And that was a bit concerning for me.
1: I can see that too. I can understand that. I and sometimes it is hard to under, to understand or explain. You know, it's it's kind of like if you're doing a Hulk movie or or a Werewolf movie and you have almost no transformations at all. Or it's they make you wait so long for it that it's like is is it really worth what you, what you get out of it? I think the other thing that Bob that relates to the it kind of goes along with this to a certain extent. If it, it bothers me, and again I have no emotional ties to Venom. But it bothers me that we're going down the Wolverine route where he always gets his ass kicked all the time. Yeah. Where he's always that he's supposed to be so strong and so powerful, but he's always outmatched with everybody he fights. And it's like by either dumb luck of the draw or just a miracle that he ends up surviving, let alone winning. I I had a problem with that, especially when you think about it. I mean, again, we get no explanation, like you said, about why a red symbiote should be more relevant or more of a challenge. Plus, it's still a piece of him. So you would think that would you would think he would have the advantage of that in that kind of conflict so that, bo- that bothered me more in this one than in, than in, than the other one especially after they have the whole the symbiotic hey we're you know we, we do have a symbiotic relationship pep talk that seems to motivate them but he's still kind of acknowledging that hey we're, we're, we're gonna die
0: <laughs>
1: yeah is there anything we want to say specifically about
0: cletus or any of the Any maybe the final fight scenes or anything like that?
1: I do like the way I mean, for better or for worse, I do like they they did certainly attempt to give him a somewhat sympathetic background as much as you can give. You know, it may be a little too stereotypical of your stereo of your serial killer background and all the crap and abuse that they dealt with as a kid. And that kind of gets them. But his relationship with Shriek, it's good to know that, again, it's not over the original But it's good to know that, you know, somebody who basically is devoid of most any kind of other human characteristics or relationship qualities has this one bond with this one person. Now, there was a reason for it. there was a reason for him to feel almost like obligated. and, And that could have flipped the connection switch with her. I understand that when they were kids. But the reality is she was somebody who was clearly important to him on an emotional level. So I did like that aspect of it. You know, it's Woody Harrelson was fine, but you know, it's not like we haven't seen Woody Harrelson kind of like play batshit, ha ha ha, kind of crazy before. So it's not wasn't anything original in his performance. He was fine. I think it's what you would have expected probably out of Woody Harrelson in that role.
0: It was interesting. I, you know, honestly speaking, some positive stuff because I've talked a lot about what I didn't like, but again, I, I'd say six or seven out of ten. Um, I did like the sort of, you know eidetic memory stuff for Venom and how that helped the journalism aspect and the research. Yes. That was, that was kind of cool. Um, I don't know if it necessarily played out very well in terms of the super sketch ability, um, but it, you know, that's, uh, that's, I, I don't think I'm going to dock it for that, for that thing, uh, just because it looked weird doesn't necessarily mean it's not possible. And there was lots of cool visuals, especially in the church. Uh, and things like that. I, the Pat Mulligan character I felt was underutilized. Uh, he was, he was well, he was interestingly applied in all of this and tying him in with Shriek's past, uh, and, and Carnage's past as a result, you know, him being part of the crew that took her away from him. So that, that is in some way is interesting, but at the same time, for those of you playing along at home, Pat Mulligan is a specific character. Pat Mulligan is uh, is Carnage's uh, it play plays host to Carnage's offspring, in the same way that Carnage is Venom's offspring. Carnage has an offspring named Toxin. Toxin is is host with Pat Mulligan. That's why you saw, saw Pat's eyes go kind of weird in that that last scene we saw him in. Um, or I assume that's why we saw his eyes go that way um and toxin is yeah t- toxin is not let's toxin is not carnage in terms of brutality and stuff like that uh sort of rails against you know quote unquote his dad uh and in, in that sort of thing he's he's not fully full hero like venom but he's not sadistic killer like carnage and there's some sort of balance in between you know there was a a series in 2004 i think that started in 2004 called venom versus carnage peter milligan actually wrote that um the art though is extremely it's one of those art styles uh let me see uh, who clayton crane clayton it's one of those art styles that you you have to you you you're either gonna like it or hate it honestly uh so if you ever get a chance to read that i I actually really enjoyed the story and stuff uh, in venom versus carnage and the clayton crane artwork is interesting uh, and while I didn't like it all the way, there are some moments, full page spreads, double page spreads, things like that, uh, or scenes in darkness or in the rain or moonlight hits just right, where his art style really sings. But by and large, personally, it wasn't for me. Um, but the, the the story was interesting enough to pull me in. Anyways, if you want to learn more about Toxin, that's where you go find him. Sorry for the tangent. Anyways, but uh, so when I knew Peter, uh, uh, or sorry, Pat Mulligan was going to be in here. I was in the movie. I was anticipating something that I didn't get, which is not necessarily, it's not on them. That's my own fault for making conclusions and assumptions about where we would go with this. Um, and I probably should have thought, yeah, we're, they're not going to introduce two symbiotes in one movie. Uh, so, uh, but that, that was my own, my own fault. But, uh, I felt he again I felt he was interestingly applied but somehow under, I don't underutilized I don't know if I'm making
1: sense there did you feel that with pat well again I don't have any strong ties to the character I'm just based on this movie alone I think they use. I think tying the character into the way they did to the past of shriek and cassidy and then tying it into the current to Eddie And then obviously the relationship and the conflict at the end, I think it worked just as a, from a cinematic perspective, it again, you might, one might have a different view on this depending on their ties to the comics. Mm -hmm. But to me, just as a not, and I remember you, I remember you mentioning, I forgot, I forgot, you know, I forgot the, at the time I forgot what the, what the symbiote's name was, but I do remember we had talked about when we talked about the trailer that who, you know, who he was supposed that he was supposed to be another, host at some point that I was you know I was consciously aware of that because of our conversation but trying to leave as much of that out and the fact that certainly I had no background on the character other than the movie I think it was an effective character I think it was a it was a character that kind of walk which would make sense based on you know the comic the comic book background as you describe it that it is a character that seems to walk the middle ground here that he, you know, he's he really isn't a bad guy. That's for sure. Even as a cop, he's not really a he's not really a, a bad guy. But obviously, he has a uh, he has of vested interest in, in what was what happened with uh, with Shriek and or Ken, uh, uh, Cletus. So I liked. I thought it. I thought as a character, or at least an on-screen character, I thought it was effective. You know, honestly, now that I think about it, I feel
0: like the Pat the Pat Mulligan character was more compelling and had more to do in this film than Anne.
1: Oh, that's probably true. I would say, yeah, I would agree with that. So
0: that, I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, obviously you think he's, he'd, he'd you think he's supposed to, but yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, anything, anything else? Uh, I guess there, is it time to move on to uh, the mid
1: credit scene? Yeah, I think we should move to the, well, it's hard to say whether it'll be long-term, truly long-term ramification so clearly it could be but short term there's no doubt that the you know the after credit scene post credit scene however one wants to describe it is the scene that is going to be the most relevant short term and how it affects venom and its universe so and go for it so so eddie and venom are kind of on the run after the end after their final conflict and resolving their battle which on the surface, Cletus is dead and and Carnage is dead. That's the way it's, we're supposed to assume everything. How it, that's how it's wrapped up. So they're sitting. So they're on, they're on the beach and which, which which is again another joke earlier in the movie because Venom about you know wanting to rub it, put his put his feet in the sand and have the wind blowing through his hair though he doesn't have any hair. That's part of the joke. <laughs> but Eddie still takes him to the beach so he can at least put his feet in the sand and he appreciates that. So towards the end of the movie, they're watching like the, on in this kind of like this relatively seedy hotel. They're watching this uh, telenovela, which is fun, which is always funny when you watch when when you see characters. There's just something funny about watch, people watching those. I don't know why. It's just but they're watching you know basically the span the Spanish soap opera on on TV, and they have this conversation about Eddie makes it clear. Excuse me, Venom makes it clear that. All, all how many what's the number of years that he said do you remember oh, but, oh i don't know that but, but it's, it's a it's a yeah. it's like let's just say it's like millions of years of a hive mentality all the knowledge that they have that just almost sharing like almost any any small percentage of that would just like bl- just blow eddie's mind at, right out of the water but eddie doesn't really believe that so it's like venom goes okay i'm going to show you the teeny tiniest amount that i can show you and he goes oh you're ready and he's and as he's about to do this all of a sudden we get like a bright yellow light, the room shakes and then the room transforms. And now all of a sudden Eddie and Venom are in a fancier hotel room. And of course, Eddie thinks that Venom did this and Venom makes it clear that that wasn't us. That you know, that wasn't me. And then of course it switches to the telenovela is now off the TV in the room. But instead what's on the TV in the room is a, the with a little more to it, but basically the J and Jameson broadcast from the end of, uh, far from home announcing Peter Parker, Spider-Man and Spider-Menace and everything. And as this is going on, Eddie instantly, tra- inst- he changes into Venom or Venom comes out. He approaches the TV. He looks at P- he looks at the massless Peter Parker and he goes, that guy. And then he, and he, and he licks the screen. And then of course the guy who's actually in that hotel room, which is kind of funny, comes out and is like, what are you doing in my room? <laughs> so what we're supposed to take from that Seen clearly is that in that moment when everything flashed, is that Eddie and Venom multiverse hopped into the MCU. So the question remain what's also interesting the other, which is the on uh, the surface the interesting, the most interesting part, but obviously the way Venom reacts to Peter Parker being on the screen, which certainly imply based on the hive knowledge mentality, that he certainly hour before the universe hopping, the universe that, Ven- that Venom and Eddie existed in, if it wasn't the Raimi universe, it certainly was a, a universe in which a symbiote interacted with Peter Parker before because he, they, he knows who Peter Parker is. That That is that is your post credit scene or your after credit scene in Venom.
0: Yeah, which made me think of something. I, I, look, I, I'm pretty sure this is probably obvious to you and to others, but m- kind of solidified something for me that maybe should have been obvious before now. It makes me think... I guess that the multiverse stuff that we're going to get in no way home, no way home. Yeah. Isn't going to be solved at the end of no way home depends because Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness,
1: (laughs) you know, uh, and all the entire, all the problems that have been created. Yes. I think that's, that's absolutely true. As far as some of the things related to Spider-Man. Yes. Some of the things will be resolved. Some of the things won't. And of course it all depends on what their plans are for Venom. Whether because we don't know what their plans are for Spider Man. It's possible Spider Man could end up going back into the same universe where Venom came from and leave the MCU for the time being. That's also possible. We don't we don't know what their plan we really we don't know what Sony and the MCU and and Marvel's plans are for Spider Man short term. Yeah. Because so that's what that's a mystery. But yeah, good. Sorry, good.
0: Uh, I would think it also means it lends lends some credence to some of the rumor that we might see Venom in the the new Spider-Man movie.
1: Uh, I think that's probably true. Even if it's a even if it's maybe an after credit scene. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be the sixth member of the Sinister Six. I still think that's probably that almost it almost has to be again either Vulture or Mysterio because we have no Holland vi- villains in there. It has to be somebody. It has to be one of Tom Holland's own villains in there. It can't all be from the so I but yeah, I think it's fair to say it would be kind of surprising that even if it wasn't a post-credit scene or something, that Venom was that Venom was in it.
0: It also makes me wonder how hard Marvel's gonna go with their uh their TV stuff fitting into their film stuff in terms of the shows on Disney Plus, because is the multiverse switch that Venom encounters the result of whatever happens in No Way Home, or is it the result of the Loki stuff?
1: So or or yeah, or the um yeah, we have doc we have one we have Wanda. We got the Wanda pro we have the Wanda potential of stuff that she's been doing. We have the stuff from Doctor Strange and No Way and No Way Home and yes, and then we have the Loki Sylvie break breaking of the sacred timeline. So we don't so we don't really know what the ramifications for all these things are across the entire multiverse so we just like we don't so we don't really know we can assume this might have been dr strange and his spell getting screwed up that just broke that because of all, all these multiverses ties to peter parker and their villains and his and his the people that he knew that maybe that's what this is but we don't know yet it's it, we just know that the only thing we do know is clear that that venom has multiverse hopped by the end of the movie yeah
0: for sure yeah uh, i guess that's i guess that's really yeah i mean it's it's in. Inter- I thought I thought the licking of the screen thing was pretty cool, but I don't know. It it implies a connection that just gives you more questions than answers. But it do- it definitely feels like a kind of fan service in terms of giving you something to get hype about moment, which, you know, is really what those scenes are supposed to do.
1: Yes. And I mean, again, I had a very we had a relatively small crowd for our showing. But again, like I told you before your started when when I was texting you that the audience the limited audience we had applauded to that they were really happy they were really they were really happy with that but again well i'm sure we're going to get more of an explanation for for why venom responded the way he did but considering that that came so soon after the uh talking about the hive mentality that i think it certainly implies that even if the hive mentality which would be hard to do can jump through multiverses and things like that. It's almost like one kind of like we talk about, Oh, there's one set of guardians that there may be multiple sets of symbiotes, but because of the way they're all connected, they they can gain knowledge from symbiotes in any other universe. Even beyond that possibility is the fact that it certainly does in- indicate that in the universe where venom is from that some symbiote has encountered Peter Parker before, even if it's the Tobey Maguire, let's say Peter Parker.
0: Mm. i don't know if i agree with that but i don't have any i don't have anything to dispute that so
1: i mean it doesn't have to be the toby mcguire universe yeah. but i but for him to react but obviously there's something about peter parker that has that causes a reaction in venom so you're right it could be something else but unless on- it's eddie because we know eddie mm. was driven out of new york there could be a peter in his universe
0: and they do share memories yeah but venom that wouldn't necessarily. Access.
1: But that to me wouldn't explain why he would instantaneously transform into Venom and Venom doing in doing his Venom thing. Because 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 it certainly seemed like Eddie was didn't have much control over that transformation and Venom just walked over, looked at looked at him and reacted. So to me, whatever it is, Venom is the one having the visceral reaction of Peter Parker. So the, if not for that, it could be something else. But if not, but since they did mention the whole hive mind mentality. It would seem weird that that wasn't factoring in somehow to me why Venom is reacting to Spider-Man, even if it's not, even though he's never interacted with the Tom Holland Spider-Man, that something has react has interacted with a Spider-Man before enough where he's reacting to it.
0: Yeah, I did read an article, uh, a review article over on uh, Vulture uh, this one is written by Allison Wilmore, and the title is Who Let Venom Let There Be Carnage In On The Joke? And the last line is uh, kind of paraphrasing here. It says, in fact, nothing in the movie matters aside from the mid credit scene that brought the down the house at the fan screening I attended. It was all anyone talked about as we exited the theater, as though everything that had come before had already faded from memory. We should all be so lucky. <laughs> Now I don't agree with Allison's review here, but there's quite a lot of fun wordplay and 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 clever writing that she has in this uh in this uh, review that she's posted. So I'd recommend go go to, go to read this vulture review. But I I do think that at least reading that uh, that snippet there does sort of highlight maybe the 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 problem with the film, whether what regardless of what your personal critiques are, including the ones I have mentioned here tonight or or, or Marcus mentioned. You know, I, like I said, six out of seven, six or seven uh, out of ten for me. She's sort of right there. <laughs> when when you bring up this movie, people are like, "Did you see that after
1: the credits?" See, nobody talks about the movie. <laughs> so. Well, oh, and and part of that, which goes along with what they're talking about, is that again, I th- I think it's only a short term issue. Is the fact that by doing what they did, they're not invalidating, they're not erasing what we saw, but they're decreasing the relevance of it because he's no longer even in the same universe that he was in so all the, so everything that he did his interactions but again i think that's probably why plot wise they did some of the closure they did between the characters so it's not as big a deal that these characters are ripped away from each other so eddie could function in another universe and be okay with it at least but it doesn't mean that it's going to stay like this forever but it means like I think that's part of why they did it. And I think at the end of the day, yes, the most relevant thing in the movie, especially whenever we see Venom next, the most relevant thing is the post credit scene because now, because now at least for a certain period of time, we know that the, the Eddie Venom Brock from the last two solo Venom movies now exist in the MCU with that we have currently with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. So that's, so the idea of having those characters interact together which would make sense, you know, which even if they didn't have to do multiverse hopping to get us there, it would make sense because you have Venom at the end of the movie, lethal protector, looking for trying to you know, deal with bad guys. Peter Parker has now been outed as this public enemy number one, literally, as Joey Jo and Jameson would say, Spider-Menace. But then you have Spider-Man who, who would, if he was in that universe to begin with, but could know of Venom because of what happened in San Francisco. And that's where they are, right? San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah. That because of the, the, the fight and and, and how a Venom is wanted, it would have a nice justification for both, both characters could potentially not only seek each other out or if they do crawl across each other, even if they're not actively seeking each other out, why they both would pursue the other and thinking that they the other was the bad guy. So the dynamic was the dynamic, I think, arguably was set up even better without having to do this. Oh, we have to multiverse hop. To get because as far as we knew, and and this is why you have to assume there's a master plan, because as far as we knew, it was never 100 percent fully confirmed that Venom was in a different universe than than the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Now, you can make the strong case after No Way Home, excuse me, Far From Home, that it probably was because, you know, Eddie worked for the written Daily Bugle and the Tom Holland MCU version the Daily Bugle is an online thing. It's not it's not a newspaper. It's an online website. So that probably right there implied when you really break it down and you think about it, that they were not in the same universe. But you could have worked around it if you needed to at some point. Mm. But now now it seems they are on a collision course. The question is, is this a is it going to be short term and then everybody gets returned to where they were to where they were originally? Is Venom going to stay in the MCU permanently or at least, you know, quote unquote permanently or is Venom going to go back and is Tom Holland, Spider-Man going to go back too, since they seemingly as in Marvel has no, they have no real plan, short-term plans for Spider-Man showing up and anything relevant to use up their One more use of him that they currently have based on the current agreement. Maybe that's how they're going to resolve this for the time being is that Tom, by the end of either no way home doubtful would be in sock to strange. Cause unless spider, unless Spider-Man going to be in that, which is possible as a cameo, but maybe by the end of no way home, he gets returned you know he gets returned or he goes to a different different universe and he's out of the mcu and eventually they'll find a way to bring him back but until they need have a need for him this this ties it up in a nice little bow why peter parker is no longer active in the mcu and sony can do whatever they want with him and and whether it's the venomverse or wherever else they send him to Mm. uh i
0: mean it the the end credit scene does give us uh, something that could invalidate the death of carnage and cletus because to me regardless of how you portray cletus and, and carnage here carnage being a one-node villain no thank you uh that's not who carnage is supposed to be <laughs> um so at least that could theoretically be off the table his death there um the one thing that we didn't mention in all of all of what you were just talking about in terms of what it could mean for the MCU as a whole. And the one thing I don't see really anybody talking about is an aspect we haven't mentioned for a while since the last trailer came out a long time ago. What does this mean for Morbius?
1: That's that is a good question, Um, because, again, if we assume that the character Michael Keaton's playing is not only uh, Adrian Toomes, but the same Adrian Toomes, mm-hmm. then you would think that that remember because there were some some people had speculated that morbius didn't exist in our MCU but it actually existed in the to, in the uh the venom uh, no yeah well not just the venom but existed in the Toby Maguire universe because i think some of the headlines and the pictures shown on the daily bugle like, like on the wall i think some people said those are from uh the Toby Maguire daily bugle time frame but there's multiple obviously there's multiple ways i, I mean either morbius gets transformed gets brought into but again it's the timing is interesting because that movie is still going to be coming out what after spider now that movie comes out after venom and after spider-man so it's possible that maybe morbius does exist in the mcu uh as is maybe it's not one of those characters that has the multiverse hop it's tough it's really it's hard to know because you assume sony has a plan probably sony and marvel has a plan you just we just really it's hard to know what it is at this point because of yeah, it it's or what it could be is Morbius, whatever universe Morbius could exist in the Venom universe, and maybe one of the things that happen, even though it would be weird, but maybe one of the things that happens at the end of No Way, uh, No Way Home is Mike is Michael Keaton gets sent to the to a different universe. Maybe he ends up in the Venomverse and he's not in the MCU anymore. It's hard to know what they're gonna do. They can do they can do lots of they can do lots of things, and it, and it's kind of curious to know what Sony's plans really are. And also what what Marvel's plans are, how closely they're working together on this when seemingly their contract, at least to make Spider-Man movies together, is done unless they've secretly re-opt or they're going to re-opt in a few years, even if they're not now, because they all have because the MCU has no plans for Spider-Man and Sony kind of wants to do their own thing for two to three years. And then but they know they're going to come back together because there's too much money not to. We don't really know what they're going to do. All we know is technically Marvel has one more use of Spider-Man the Tom Holland Spider-Man in a live action movie. We just don't know what that movie is going to be yet. So it's hard to know what they're going to do. That's what it's kind of, that's what makes it fascinating and so much more than interesting. It's just kind of like almost invigorating in a way because you, they could go in many different directions with this and we don't know what they're going to do, but they could do a lot of different things.
0: Yeah, I mean, like look, I'm I'm not I'm not claiming that I'm ha- I I'm a genius and I'm having a unique idea that nobody else has had. I'm sure there's probably some article out there somewhere. Somebody's somebody has to have picked up on this thread. It's just that everybody's talking about what this end credit scene means for venom means for the future of the mcu means for spider-man but nobody's talking about this other movie that supposedly could have taken place or some people were thinking might have taken place in the same universe as venom what about morbius nobody's talking about it
1: yeah morbius has unfortunately fallen off the radar screen because once again another move another movie that's got pushed back repeatedly i can't I and I understand it a little bit more than with Morbius because arguably Morbius is a tough tougher sell anyway, and it also does not have any track record. I never understood the Venom running scared because Venom had a, was a proven commodity, certainly more than Shang Chi was, and people were interested in the in Carnage the that movie. I don't so I get but I get why they wanted they wanted it to cover Morbius a little bit more, but it does make you wonder again how tight they may not. Whatever is the explanation, it obviously isn't super time sensitive, or else Morbius wouldn't be coming out after all these other movies, <laughs> since I wasn't supposed to originally.
0: Yeah, I'm still curious. I definitely want to see Morbius, see what happens with it. But we don't need to. I, did, did the final trailer even come out for this? This is uh, No, Morbius? they haven't. Re-
1: they, haven't re- they haven't released a new trailer in ages because they've been moving. I'm trying to remember when. Isn't when the hell is Morbius? Is it January or February? It's one of the two. I
0: think. it's uh release because they keep because
1: <laughs> they keep moving it Uh, but release date is set for January 28th 2022 yeah so that's not it's not even that far away at this point I celebrate greatly I have a great interest in that I think Jared Letter <laughs> will do a good job no. in that yeah I think he will all right well this is definitely
0: going to be its own
1: episode <laughs> yes yeah. before we, before we wrap this up a couple of things number one as as we're recording this uh, in a few hours but what if We'll wrap up, which will be our the next thing we record, whether it gets released next or not, depends on, I guess, what we do with Dan for Green Lantern. But what if is the next thing we're going to record? And that the last episode will be coming out in a few hours, as will Black Widow. I believe tonight's the night. Black Widow at 3 a.m. becomes goes on to Disney Plus. Speaking of which, Scarlett Johansson and Disney settled their lawsuit. (laughs) I didn't see that. What happened? Yes, Uh, I'm trying to remember the dollar amount that she's getting, but I think she's getting like at least 40 million.
0: But, yeah, but I, the 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 thing here though matters is is what they're
1: going to do to address it moving forward, right? Yeah, but you also you mean with future with future movies? Yeah. You, yeah. I am you can never say never or always say always, but I was pretty sure that they were they had not been repeating the same mistakes they made with this movie even in some of the other movies they released and dealing with other talent along the way. But if you take it at face value, Disney and Scarlett Johansson or Kumbaya again she's still now she's still going to be doing the Tower of Terror movie so the odds are she will be back in the MCU at some point even no matter what it may not be another Black Widow movie though. who knows maybe a part of the appeasement was like you know what we'll do we'll we'll do that sequel that's to tell people what happened in those two weeks <laughs> um but either way I thought that was worth mentioning and just add as a as a closing point because it was really odd because I still never got an answer curious curiously enough I noticed when it came to that bond question I raised about my tickets, I noticed a few days ago that the, the overpriced tickets for bond for like the Thursday night shows were now gone and they were back to the normal pricing. So then they weren't charging an extra three bucks. They were back down to the normal pricing, which I'm sure meant if I went to get, if I went to go get a ticket now for the Thursday night show, that it would be just a 50 cents convenience fee, convenience fee. So I thought that was quite interesting because whatever the cause and justification for it, they obviously backtracked and went back to the normal price. So I only mentioned that because there was an cause it was a nice epilogue because I because I brought it up. If I brought up last week, I almost brought up how I was really weird about the Halloween tickets because you could go anywhere, everywhere, and see Halloween showings, but you couldn't buy the tickets. And that's very odd because normally you never see show times till they're available to purchase for. But apparently we found this out last week when we went to the when we went to the movies to go see Venom that Without telling anybody, October 1st at friggin' 6 a.m., because, yes, it had to be October. That was the day all the Halloween tickets were going on sale. Would have been nice to tell you this on Fandango or on the Regal app. It would have made life a lot easier if you're going to put showings you can't buy tickets for instead of a generic error message say these tickets will be available at 6 a.m. on October 1st. But but nonetheless, but the Bond thing was interesting because, yeah, obviously it was either a mistake or they were trying something, but they backtracked one way or the other, and it's and it went back to normal price. So that's all I got there. Uh I watched Black
0: Widow, but I have to watch it again because uh I fell asleep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I've, I've, I fall, I fall. Oh, I did. I actually finished it. I fell asleep on the star Wars, the Lego star Wars, terrifying tales, like three, like three and a half times before I finally got to the end. Like I kept falling asleep at the same point. Even when I started a little bit later, each time, it's like, I kept falling asleep. At the, and after a while, to me, it's like it's it's like it's a red flag. If, you, if I fall asleep on the same thing at this almost yeah. at the same time, even if I start at different points, like I skip, uh, I've gotten 20 minutes in, I'll begin at the 25 minute. Yeah, usually I take that as a sign that this thing is just not meant to hold my interest and it's not for me. But but yeah. I did finish it.
0: If I try again and fall asleep again, I'll know that. But I think it might have just been situational, you know, just the right chair, the right blanket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hear it out. <laughs> Uh, No obligations for the rest of the day, so I don't have anywhere to be. Just, uh, okay, good night. Um, (laughs) All right. If people want to reach
1: out to us and let us know what they thought about Venom, let there be carnage. uh, How do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook, hashtag GLcast to locate us on either one of those. Assuming Facebook is working by the time you hear this. (laughs) uh working again uh we are on apple podcast spotify and stitcher please leave a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on and last but not least to send us a text or a voicemail 708 lantern 708 lantern and let us know what you think that's right. Don't forget, guys, we do have a Twitter contest
0: still going on. And why do I randomly mention it now? Well, because the Twitter contest requires us to get to 1,000 followers over on Twitter and maintain it for a little bit. I'm going to say a <laughs> week or two. Uh, because that does happen: is we'll get a we'll get like a bunch of followers and then lose two or three. So let's get to a thousand and hold the number for a little while. I only bring it up right now because we now have 989. Ooh, we're getting close. Yep, we are 11 away from this contest being over. So, uh, yeah, uh, go listen to whatever the, whatever the episode.
1: After. Yeah, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't yeah. remember what. Maybe 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 before we record next time, one of us will make the effort to go back and find out the. Basically, actual...
0: guys, the rules are: follow us on Twitter and then email us at what mark? Lanterncast at gmail.com. And let us know that you follow us over on Twitter and what your your, your uh, at is, your account name is over there, so that we can verify. And the winner will be randomly chosen out of those, and you'll get a prize pack of some sort. Uh, and it's only viable, though, of course, to the continental United States. So
1: Damn, damn, damn it, you, you Guamians lose again. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you guys later. Good night, everybody. Good
0: night.